you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Justin Kaufman is our guest today, and boy, was I looking forward to chatting with Justin. He's the host of WGN 720 radio show, The Download. That's Chicago, as if I've got to tell you. And well, that's where we recorded this interview, which, by the way, was recorded after Justin interviewed me for his show, The Download. That's how it works. One hand washes and feeds the other, or some such thing. Justin worked for Chicago Public Radio's WBEZ, but I know Justin from his great work with the comedy ensemble Schadenfreude. Did you like how he said that? Their group was so awesome that they had their own show on BEZ. Justin's smart, funny, candid, and energized. As I said, recorded at WGN Radio on Chicago's Michigan Avenue. Uh, that's why it sounds so good, <laughs> right? Those guys know what they're doing. Uh, give it a listen. Here we go. Oh, boy. You know, it's probably about 45 minutes. 45 minutes? Yeah. 45 minute interview. And people can listen to it. When you think about people that are listening to you, because when I think about WGN, I think about my dad had uh, my dad had a gas can manufacturing plant on North and Holstead. Oh, wow. And uh, in the building that's now the Royal George. Wow, how about that? Yeah, how about that, right? The building that's now the Royal George. And uh, and so we had, that was the crappiest job, just the, the <laughs> shittiest job in the world. So we had that job, and I was there for a while, and my dad would listen to uh, to, to all the, you know, listen. We, 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 it would always be WGN playing in the background. WGN playing in the background. And um, my parents' marriage was dissolving, and my father was, like, having a midlife crisis. And he would just listen to all these guys. And, because they were upbeat. Mm-hmm. And... When when you're doing this, who do you see listening? Like for me, when I'm when I'm listening to your to your show, I'm seeing the guy in the cab. But I don't know if that's the guy anymore. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's it's definitely a challenge because you think right off the bat that you know the the classic WGN listener may be someone who's a little bit older, uh, who lives out in the suburbs. It, now, now for me, when you say the classic, is that is that what's the imagined? Yeah, but I, you, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that there's numbers that say that's who is who is listening and what we get all the time. And it's funny because we'll do some we'll do something on the show where we we take calls and the calls will come in and you'll get a lot of people from the eight one five from six three zero who are like I I don't understand what's happening and that's not really an indication <laughs> of who I think is listening. But I, who uh-huh. I think is listening is and that's why we're here. I mean, is is the the I hope someone who's 40, 45 who wants to hear Dave Rosowski or maybe remembers you on stage right. or has taken a class with you. And so for me, I'm always thinking about those people. You know, we have a lot of musicians on the show. Yeah. Which is, it, Pete Zimmerman is a producer, and he brings in so many people who are on the cutting edge. And, and I'll go in, the, and, and I'll, be, I'll be frank, I don't know them. How do you know them? He works at Chirp. Chirp is an underground radio station. Oh, that, yeah, I think I've heard of Chirp. Yeah, and and so he's got he's got a pulse on. So so someone who, it's amazing to me. He's playing a festival or something, and then I'll talk to this uh, woman guitarist who's I don't really know from Bully, you know. And I'm like, I look it up, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like this is a great story. This woman's story is great. She's an engineer who uh, was an intern for Steve Albini up on the Northwest Side, sure. and now she's uh, fronting her own band. And the next thing you know, you flip your eye, you know, and it's like, who's who's playing bon- who's playing uh, who, what was the one we just saw? The who they just put the uh, thing out for Burning Man, or for one of them, it's like, there's Bully, you know. Oh, here's the new lineup for Lollapalooza. There's Bully, and you realize quickly, I'm like, that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to people who know who Bully is. Right. And then there's part of me too. It's like, you know what? If you don't know who it is, I didn't two days ago. Right. And and now I feel like I can be the person who tells their story or helps tell their story. They tell it and I just try to facilitate it. So to me, I 
see it as both the person who that's great that you had bully on, but also the person who's, I didn't know who that was and thanks for telling me. Right. Right. And what it also requires is for you uh, and because you for you to have uh, to be the facilitator to the conversation, which also requires you to be open minded yourself. You know, we uh, you have to be. I mean, that's that is I think that's one of the tenets of like what we do to be open minded, to to be able to take one issue and be able to look at it from different points of view, bring in different guests that you don't hear on WGN. I had a great uh, interview I think it was probably about a month ago with Saba, who's a rapper. And he was on Colbert uh, with Chance the Rapper. And this new crew in Chicago of rappers who are like 19, 20, 21 years. This kid's 21 years old. Sitting across me, 21 years old. And he's like, just came off of performing on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And, and killing it. I mean, like, they just, it was like a viral hit at like how they did it. And so you're sitting there talking to him and you're like, you know, I know that the, that the core WGN audience probably doesn't know who Saba is. And you played some of Saba's music. Yeah, we right. played some of it. And, right. and right away, you know, it's, it's AM 720. Yeah. So there's probably a, a, a good crew, a core listener at that time at 10 o'clock at night that is not a rap fan. Yeah. Right? Maybe they're not into rap. Yeah. And I got a great comment that was put on the text uh, who texted and said, you know what? After the interview was done, she said, you know, I'm, I'm – older woman and I live here and I was going to turn the channel when you said you had a rapper on. But I like the way that you do interviews, so I stuck with it and I'm glad I did. Because what that kid talked about at 21 years old was being from the west side, growing up in Austin, uh, not having uh, a tremendous amount of rappers that he could look up to from the west side, talking about his dad was an R&B uh, uh, bass player and he would sit in the studio and listen to him. It was just so mature for a 21-year-old kid. And I was like, that to me is what this show the download what it can bring it's right. like you didn't know this kid lives in chicago you just you, you know we we don't we dive so much into stereotypes about what we think people are and let them talk and they tell their story and it's not it's it's you realize how great the city is yeah yeah right yeah 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 that thing about the stereotype that's the one thing that i have the hardest time with I mean, for me, not the stere- but when i say the stereotype it's not the black rapper stereotype for me it's the stereotype of the guy that i see in the pickup truck with the with the nra uh, with the nra sticker <laughs> right. on i go what's happening over there Ugh, that guy i know that guy i don't know that you guy you don't know that guy i don't know that guy and that's what's great about having a radio show is then i can have that guy on and he could talk and and there've been so many different times where you like someone that i thought was a certain way will come on and enlighten you and then you're like, you know what? That's that makes sense to me. I just I've I've, I've been in uh, an aspiring battle with somebody today uh, about what's going on in Detroit. Oh, and by the way, what's hey, going on in Detroit? Like, uh, well, I just want to say even more than that. The news just came out: Abe Vigoda died. I know, right? Yeah. And you know, I my first thought on that when Pete told me that was, I'm like, are you? Is that an internet hoax? That's what I thought and, too. Or like, you know, what's happening lately is you see people, you know, getting put like uh, Dennis Hopper. And you're like, oh, Dennis Hopper died. And you're like, no, he died like nine years ago, or seven years ago. So like, you got to look at the date on the, on the but fake CNN story. But that's, but that's another die. thing where you got you have to you be have curious. To be. Oh my god, you got to be curious. Yeah. And if you're not curious, and and that's what gets me is, are you curious? And the people that I hang out with are curious people. They seem to be open minded. And I really wonder if there's somebody because I'm so far on the left that I wonder if there's so many people on the right who are also open minded. And I feel like, how do you? have that open-mindedness and i believe the way that you have that open-mindedness is by not saying you're on the right or on the left well it's i kind of like 
I remember I did an interview. I forgot the guy's name. The guy who who was one of the big libertarians who uh, started the movement of libertarians. And you realize, you know, libertarians is really kind of like I guess I guess it's far right. But if you think about it like a circle, like that a lot of the things meet the far left, <laughs> or just like the everything about the government, or like uh, or you know just making sure that thing that your money's being sent or spent the right way, things like that. They, they meet, and so it was. It became this weird thing where I was sitting there going, I, I'm not even sure this guy is in a classification. Like I could say that he's a right winger or a left winger. Like he's, he's created this thing. And if you hear more and more, and he was a very well-spoken guy and he was famous at the time for bell curve and that kind of stuff. Forgot oh, what I was. know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And, and it was amazing to listen to him and go, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just get the, the wrong kind of impression and it sticks with you. And you know, the truth of the matter, AM talk radio is probably a, uh, a big, cause of that yes you know you have a lot of am radio and i don't just mean am i guess you could do fm too but talk radio in general plays off of stereotypes right but you guys don't no we well we've not we're not a, a classic am talk radio show we no, were, we were brought in from from the city what we were doing at different places pete had worked for steve Dahl for years i'd mm -hmm. worked at uh, wbec and the idea was can we do something that's going to be a little bit more npr-ish that isn't necessarily lefty, but it's but it's a little bit more like let's be objective. Let's I do like that. a Terry Gross um, meets um, I don't know like uh, I don't want to say John Stewart, but uh, like something where you, you bring some elements together, hodgepodge it together, and and really be a voice for Chicago that isn't following that format. And the format is not a lot of guests. Host is the 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 person who you know is let me tell you. And I'll tell you another thing. Like, like a lot of long pauses. I mean, you listen to AM radio, there's just a ton of long pauses. No, no, So we don't do no. so it's like, and another. How could we let that happen? <laughs> and you're like, this is, and in my, and like dead air, man, dead air. You can't yeah, do that. Yeah. And then let's go to Ray. Ray, what do you think? I agree with you completely. He agrees with me. And so that, that style was something that I think that a lot of radio stations made money off of. Because Rush Limbaugh and like us, and even on the, I mean, they Air America, they tried it. Like the idea of this political talk radio, like that style where people want to advertise. Yeah. And so now they're in a spot where that is kind of going away a little bit and they're trying to rethink radio. And that's what Pete and I are trying to do, just rethink it. Well, it, it does not sound like it. And when you said, when you said, the combo platter that you're looking at, I'm thinking, oh, I hear that. I definitely hear that. I hear, I hear the like the, a, a BEZ sensibility, but there's also you're on the radio, and it's also you get to set, you get to be opinionated, mm -hmm. it, it, not the way that Wally Phillips was opinionated, right. or not the right. way that Roy Leonard was. I'm, I'm sorry, not the way that Wally. Or, or not, yeah, you weren't Wally Phillips. Phillips. You weren't Roy Leonard. You weren't right. those guys. Right, right, right. You know, uh, and I have a lot of respect for those guys. I mean, it's it's amazing to look out the window uh, on Michigan Avenue. To be a part. I mean, we were around Christmas time. They had all the lights up and everything, and people were walking by. Even the summertime, people are out at 10, 30, 11. You get a crowd of people in front of the window. It's. I mean, we, we broadcast right on Michigan Avenue in the heart of Chicago's sort of mag mile, right on the right on the river. You're at the and, yeah, the center it, right it, there. And, and, and there's something that there, there's this, like, I don't know, it stirs up a responsibility. Not only does it stir up sort of like community in the way that you feel like you're part of the city, but it stirs up this sort of responsibility that I am part of the city and I need to reflect the city. It can't just be what's happening on Michigan Avenue, even though that's where I sit. Yeah, it's very similar. As you were unfolding that, I was thinking about what the... Uh, the word responsibility is, is much too harsh, uh, but uh, I said it. Um, <laughs> uh, 
it's the same thing at Second City. Yeah. Because at Second City, you are on the corner of North and Wells. You are at the Second City where it's like all those people were. Old and, town, and man, there's, yeah. yeah. But there's also, yeah. it's, you know, it's Belushi, it's Aykroyd, it's Gilda Radner, it's Alan Arkin, it's Tina Fey. It's like there's a responsibility that you have for satire, also for Chicago, and all those things too. But you can't let that be a driving factor at all. It's an underlying thing. Well, you got to do your own thing. You know, I, I doing Schadenfreude for so many years, we were, I was a study. I mean, I studied going through the Second City Conservatory and all that kind of stuff. You studied the people that came before you. I mean, I saw you on stage. You were the reason I got into it. So it's like you, but I don't want to be Dave Rosowski. You know, like I don't want to, I'm doing my own thing and trying to develop my own voice and trying to take different things and create this formula and recipe that's going to be Justin Kaufman. But I feel like I still have a responsibility in, to the the, I guess the, how do you say it? I to the creative arts that came before me like so much has paved the way from second city and from io and annoyance that have done things they've taken risks they've succeeded they failed but they've they've done things to um to to back, make the city a better place and you, to you, me that's what i want to do i want to do that so if i don't do that if i just say okay we found something this is the formula and we do it then it's just sort of like it's 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 going against what everybody did before but do, but do you how much time do you really spend thinking about the word responsibility how much time do you really spend thinking about what what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing i didn't not as much in comedy but here i i wonder if we think about it a lot at, as media because there's so I, I don't know I feel like I'm I'm a voice of of a of an industry meaning I'm one of the voices you know so so when people say I hate the media or you know the oh here goes the media again or you get the polls that say that the media is the the bottom of the <laughs> the rung you know like of of what people think personality I I take offense to that because I want to I want to be able to say no what we're trying to do is let you tell your story we're trying to tell uh, the the sort of weave together the fabric that is Chicago. I mean, we say at the top of the show, this is a show about Chicago starring those who live here. It's not, and so there's a lot of stories to tell and make this place uh, for you to better understand. So I want you to take something from the show. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to just sort of see it as like passive. I want you to be able to go, That's, this is why I live here. Or this is why this, is co this story is more complicated than I thought. Right. And so there is a responsibility. I don't want to be the guy who's like, eh, I don't care. Yeah, but you would never be that guy. I know. But I learned, I mean, that's a discipline. There's a discipline, like we were just talking about Abe Bogota. There's a discipline for me to go and click through that and make sure that's legit. Absolutely. Because I can't go to air with that, that if it's not. Yeah, yeah. And, there's and a, that's just what you learn. No, you know? and, and, and uh, it, it is what you learn, and uh, it goes back to a lot of the memes that you see where where that there's that one that is uh, Trump who's apparently said this thing about Republicans and how dupable they are yeah. and it's he never said it right well, he that, just never said it and the first thing that I see when I do that is and it's what you learn is you say I am going to do a little bit of research on this thing and here's the wonderful thing about the research that I'm going to do I'm going to do some research on this thing and I'm going to find two things that I know for sure one whether it's right or wrong and something else yeah that's and it's that something yeah, else absolutely. that then, and I'm going to use this word that 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 I've been using a lot lately, and people are going to go, mm, but it's the word, it's the phrase, is this phrase, creative, creatively metastasizing. <laughs> it's creative metastasizing, right. and what creative metastasizing is is that thing is now growing into that thing, which is growing into that thing, it's growing into that thing, and and when we have a job like your job. Uh, 
with the media, it's the same job that we had at the Second City, which is let's crack this thing open mm -hmm. and let's just see how fractal how fractalized it is. And at the end of the day, I mean, the the, the things, the the rules at Second City, whether it be played to the audiences, the height of the audience's intelligence, those are things that I learned from the teachers we talked in, in our interview with Marty Demott. And um, you know Michael Gelman was was a big teacher of Schadenfreude and all the people. So to me, it's like they, those lessons about you know, hey, you want to be you want to be right. I mean, I remember Michael Gelman yelling at us, and they would do that a lot. <laughs> I think that's Gelman where my yelling page. comes from. He, he he said to us, you know, like I think he had asked, anyone has seen Sling Blade? That was like the movie of the time, and it was like Oscar season. Everyone's like, no. He's like, and you guys want to be. Uh, satirists, you want to be performers, you want to be uh, on stage here and you don't even see what people are talking about, go see, they yelled at us for 10 minutes, you know, go see the movie. But his point was the same kind of, I mean, I took it in and I was, you know, a lot younger then, but I was like, yeah, you want to be in a position where you are, I don't know, like you're playing to the height of the audience's intelligence and you're researched up, man. You can't, you can't be in a spot where I just am talking about, I, I, I just can't do that. Well, so when I interview you, I need to know what I'm talking about. Oh, clearly, yeah. clearly. And and you, you also, what I, I, I feel like is, I want to be ahead of the curve. Right. I want to be ahead of the curve, but still be connected to the curve. Ahead of the curve is this, in like, it, it, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but you inspired me in, in this to think, I remember when I was teaching classes, I would do that same thing. Yeah. Like, who, what are you reading now? Right. And Dell Close oh used to God. do that. I'd go, what are you reading? What are you reading? What are you reading? And Dell knew every writer. I've read more going through the Second City Conservatory than I did through college. And the, and the reason was is because, you know, my early teachers, whether it was Anne, Anne Libera, or Francis Callier yes. was a teacher of mine. And Francis would say, you got to, you know, like, through this, you have to know, like, we're going to play all these short-form games and things like that. If, if the, if the, you know, the suggestion on stage is, uh, you know, uh, Jane Austen, you best know what Jane Austen is. If you don't know what Jane Austen is, you're going to look like an asshole. Yes. If you, so, yeah. So that's and, what and, and you could tread water right. and go, Jane Austen uh, was the city right. in Texas. Right. You could do that for a little bit for a of little time. Bit. But you want, but that's not what the audience, you want to be, you want to be well read in this business. You want to, when you're on stage, you want people to come to your show. I always felt with Schadenfreude, I want people to come away that, you know what, that I learned something. If I didn't learn something, I should take a look at it because um, this is a, this is an issue for our time. Making that particular joke about Mayor Daley or, or about what's happening in Chicago at that time. People go away, go, I should read the newspaper, see what's up. And we were all well, we were well read in that regard. So it became like sort of our and you And you were also feeding off of each other. Right. So there's that synthesis, there's that uh, of getting energy from energy, synergy. There was that getting energy from energy of everybody. And again, the only mistake you make in improv and sex is casting. So the <laughs> only thing that, so you're really getting your rocks off with each other yeah. in that situation where you're going, you are inspiring me. And when you have a cast, like the way that you you got the cast that you had yep. and the cast that I have. I better know my shit if I'm working with Colbert. I better know my shit if I'm working with Dave Pasquazi. I better oh, know yeah, my right. shit. And right. here's another thing. I look at those guys and who are my teachers? Those guys who are also my teachers. Those guys are also my teachers. The people that I play with are also my teachers. D. Ryan, who knows all about, you know, Jane Austen and all about these other things. Like I she she knows her shit. And um 
and, and, and being inspired by all the annoyance people who are just like the Brady Bunch. Like, who thought about the Brady Bunch? And now they're teaching me the Brady Bunch. And I'm looking at the show. And I don't know if you saw it, but I saw, I found a Brady Bunch show in all my uh, digital. Yes, all, yes. You put yeah. it online. That's and right. I put it online. Yeah. And who's in it? That's the first time I got to see that. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you look at Andy Richter yeah. was uh, Mr. Brady and Carol was Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. How about that? And put together by Jill Soloway. And again, looking at it saying, these people inspire me. And oh, why man. do they inspire me? Because they do this. They do this. They say, I have an idea. Who's in it? And there are some people that went, I ain't going to do that. That's a stupid idea. And I'm going to point to them and go, yeah, you missed out on that. But that's okay because your sensibility wasn't that. My sensibility was I got to give that a shot because it's the stupidest thing in the entire world. See, Chicagoans knew, though. I mean, I, I, being not, I went to Columbia College. And so even before I decided to do Second City and get into Schadenfreude and all that kind of stuff, like I would pay attention to what was counterculture. And counterculture to me and what would end up all the time was at the Annoyance Theater or Second City. But, I mean, the Annoyance was a little bit more street. And, yeah, it's amazing to me to think that I went out of my way to partake in that rock in the rock stars. You guys were rock stars. You were you were the people. Everyone around it, even regardless, I didn't care where you were going to go. I didn't, I didn't. At that time, you didn't think like, oh, that person's going to be on TV. That person. No, they, you were you guys were rock stars in the moment in the big city of Chicago. And we would come see you, whether it be, you know, uh, co-ed prison sluts, which was just a line around the corner to see that show. I saw it a couple times. I love that show. Yeah. And and or to, to go and see IO or, or or even Second City, like to sneak in. I remember in the conservatory. I got very lucky. This is where Schadenfreude, when we were in conservatory, it was a Thursday night class. So it was like 7 to 10 or 11 or something like that. And we would take the class with Michael Kelman and everybody would split. Maybe we'd go get a drink at the last act or whatever it was. But then there was the improv set. And it was a, whatever night it was, the improv set was a little earlier. So it was like 11 o'clock or something like that. It was a Paradigm Lost cast. Oh, my God. So it's Tina Fey. It's uh, uh, Rachel Dratch. It's Jim Zulovitz. Jenna Jolovitz. Um, Scott Adsit. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Dorf. Dorf. And you would go in at the end because they let you in at the end because it was free. So you'd be like, that was just part of your Thursdays. You'd go at 10 o'clock and you'd go watch these people create an improv, like 30 minutes of improv that you've never seen done ever before. I, I mean, it's the best stuff you've ever seen. And and since, and I, I feel like it spoiled us in a way, because I'll go see improv shows and whatever, I'm like, nah, that ain't, that ain't as good. <laughs> Man, Dorf, Dorf would kill these guys. <laughs> it's like, I mean, they were the best. They were the best. So I totally I think that's agree. a huge part of like what inspires you as a performer because you're like I want to be that good and I think that the, a lot of the places that I go because it's, I I'm I uh, I was talking to uh to Susan messing into like yeah. we had we had a meet we had a we had an interview uh with uh some somebody's doing a, a documentary on improvisation going around the world teaching talking and um what we all realize is this we're Johnny Appleseeds and what we're doing is we're going, here's a little, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to go, bye-bye. And here's a little, we're going to go, bye-bye. And so we don't ever watch those people grow, nor do those people ever see us perform. And if they don't see us perform, how can they really know what it is that we're doing? Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally So makes sense. you yeah. saw the Paradigm Lost cast. Mm -hmm. I saw, you know, I because I was the second Herald team. What? Unbelievable, yeah. What? Right. Um, which I forgot until I was talking to, to Sharon, was second house team at, at IO. So the second house team, like there weren't any other house teams, Justin. It's not like there. <laughs> it was like, what? So, <laughs> so I was able to watch 
Barron's Barracudas, which was Dave Pasquese and uh, uh, and John Judd, who's a Steppenwolf actor, and all these guys, and go, that's how it's done. That's how it's done. And you say, yep. and I would look at somebody like Joe List. You remember Joe? I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Joe yeah, List. Yeah, so Joe yeah. List, and I would look at Joe List when he was on Main Street, and I would say, I, I like the way he thinks. I like the way he thinks. I like oh the way God. he thinks. And what I want to do is, I want to do this. So it always be uh, when I was in a, stuck in a scene, it'd be WWJD. It was what would Joe do? And then you do what Joe does, and then one day you realize, oh, I didn't think about what Joe does, and now I do what I do. Mm-hmm. I always think of the people at Second City that, I mean, obviously that Paradigm Lost cast was just outrageous. That show was, that show was great. But the, the, I would say the people that, like, I was always like, man, I, the people stuck out to me. I mean, I saw you, and then when I got to Second City, the people that, like John Glazer, like Glazer and Scott Adsit and Adam McKay and those kind of guys where you're just like, they're doing stuff that, that makes me feel like I could do it. And I, I know that sounds stupid, but it was like, it just made me feel like, hey, this is, there's this sort of like, and then the UCB, you know, like all that kind of stuff where you just, there was this ground level of, of I don't know, like they were, they were like, they were rock stars and like they were alternative rock stars. You know, they weren't like, you guys were like the rock stars. You played on Second City Stage, and that's how I knew as like a teenager. And then you'd go and you'd be like, now these are the alt guys. Oh, I totally understand. <laughs> I totally get it. When I saw Adam McKay on stage doing that gump scene with Scott Adsit. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, you know what the gump scene is? Have you seen it? No. I love it. No. Oh, oh my God. Have you talked about it? Uh, yeah, I guess well, so, yeah. Well, Gump yeah. is like, yeah. is, it's that where he's, a, he's a, Adam McKay is the, is the with, not public relations, but you know, when, when you, uh, HR guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the HR yeah. guy and uh, at, at a corporation and he brings in the vice president of the corporation and they just did a um, an IQ test and Adam McKay to Scott Adsit, who's the CEO, is, is saying to, to Adam, Adam McKay is saying to Scott Adsit's character, um, the test came back and uh, you're retarded. You're retarded. And Adsit, <laughs> It went, um, all right. All right, what do we got to do? What else? No, it's, it's like, uh, what else you got for me? Yeah, it's like, right. that's pretty much it. You're <laughs> retarded. You know, you shouldn't even be allowed to use a phone. Cause, so you're saying is, if I use a phone, I might be arrested. And right. you're going, what is happening? <laughs> and when you want, did you see the big short? I didn't know. I had pizza. I well, when you see it. the big short. It's on the list. When you see the big short, this is one of the things that I, I watched and I went, oh, that's like a Herald. And I went, oh, yeah, because Adam McKay yeah, right. directed it right. and wrote it, you know, and wrote it, you know, whatever. And you go, that's it, man. That's it. Yeah. And there's some people there at Second City. I brought this up a number of times in the podcast that you go at Second City. You go, oh, that guy is really trying hard. He's not. He's not doing. It. He's not doing. It. He's not getting it. God, God, why is John trying so hard? Yeah, John gave up. Good. He moved out to L.A. Great. Okay, good. <laughs> and then he wrote this movie called uh, 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 Swingers. Right. And then he, you know, it's John Favreau, and now he's John an A-list Favreau, actor. Man. And you want to go. That's how it a- works. A-list, A-list uh, director, rather. I just, you know, it's funny because you mentioned about the Appleseed stuff because one of the things I've always had a, and I don't think it's a hard time, I think it's just the thing that's like blows your mind, is there will be times when you're just doing your show. You're doing your show in a uh, black box theater behind the Heartland Cafe. Which and I'm going tomorrow to you? to have a, a, a podcast interview oh, with Nate Herman. There you go. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Nice. So anyway, Heartland uh, Cafe. Yeah, so you'll do that show and then maybe you'll get on a festival circuit or you'll do some show and this, that, and the other. And you're thinking about yourself, and you're thinking about the shows, and the kids come through. And then it'll be, I don't know, um, 15 years later, and you'll be in Los Angeles. I was in L.A., and a comic, a good good guy, Mike Burns, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, um, <laughs> he tells a story, Dave. It's a great story. He goes, I, had a, you know, I, I, I saw your show in Wicker Park, and um, you know, I was like, I really want to do that. 
And so I just, I, I pretty much just quit everything and I went to LA, you know, and, uh, and, and did it. I was staying on a buddy's couch and I, I was married at the time and then, uh, got divorced out of that. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't find any work and I was really down on my, down on my luck. And he's like, but you know what? Like I stuck through it. And, you know, I, the reason I did is cause I saw you, you know, doing local pantalones at the wicker bar. I'm like, don't tell me that. Don't tell, like, I was like, thanks, I think. Like, your whole life, like, was, like, destroyed. And it happens. I, there's a couple guys from Arizona State that came up, and they're like, hey, knock, 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 we're here. We saw your show, and, and we really loved it, and we want to we wanna be, you know, Chicago rock stars, so what do we do? And I'm like, I got to go to work. Like, I don't know what to tell. Like, it, it was, it's something I don't know if I've ever really come to terms with the fact of that Johnny Appleseed kind of thing. Yeah. The idea of... You do this work, people see it, and it, it affects them in the way that they go on and do things. And then when it doesn't necessarily go the right way, I just I feel partly responsible. I don't know why. There's so many of those kind of stories. Yeah. And But you're on the radio every day, and so you're inspiring people in ways that you don't even yeah. know. I right. mean, the way that you, the interaction that you have with your guests, the way that you, 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 you come in cold opening and all, all those sort of things, the humor that you have that make people laugh in the middle of the thing, the non sequiturs that you have, the sound effects. You know what's hard, and you know this too through podcast stuff now, is um, – I have not been able to figure out how to do the how to do sketch, how mm-hmm. to do improv on the radio. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying every day. We're trying new things. Mm-hmm. We're trying different mm-hmm. ways. And Susan helps out. Rachel Mason, you know, and oh, God, Kate and Schadenfreude. That everyone comes in, but we always are trying to figure out because it's a medium in which there's no immediacy. It's the most immediate with no immediacy, meaning there's no crowd reaction. I can't tell if people like it or not. I can't change direction based on you know, an audience's reaction because I just, there is no reaction. You can't shape it. You can't shape it, yeah. So it becomes a really difficult, I love it. I love the risk of it. And I love when we come up with a kernel of an idea and we we do it. But it also is like when you're done, you're like, and this happened at BEZ when I had the Schadenfreud radio show too, where you're like, man, we just put together 30 minutes of, uh, we did a show at WBEZ that we we did 61 episodes, that 30 minutes of original comics called Schadenfreud. Right. And it was on late night. They just did it as an experiment. I, we didn't get paid. It was 61 like sixty-one episodes. We did dude. sixty-one original scripts. How long? So half hours. They're half hours, and it was like boom, boom, two minute kind of stuff. It's very theater of the mind. And I just went back and listened to some of the stuff. It's now twelve, thirteen years old. And I'm like, wow, man, it's amazing how much energy we put into this thing. Wait, but, wait, wait. That's what you got out of it. It wasn't like, oh, the work was good. It was like the you work put a lot was of okay. I mean, I, I think the work is really good because as you know i mean working with the p it reminds you of such good memories of of going away to we would do uh we the way we would write it is we'd go and and get a house in the winter time in in michigan so like you know i had a lot of summer houses out there so if you go in the winter you can actually get a deal or, or somebody right. somebody's yeah. not using it so we would go for a week and we bring schadenfreude up there and everyone would just buy like 400 dollars worth of groceries and we would just stay up there for a week and we would write probably about 10 or 15 episodes like we just sketch after pitch after sketch i mean it's, it is like the work i ask a question like who w- w- was anyone in charge well, I, I guess i was i mean there was no we don't have a director or anything so we just kind of went with it and and we had worked together for so long you know doing stage work and and i'm just saying like i, I just want to say you know, because there's a lot of people so listening hard, who go, yeah. this is possible, y'all. It is like, possible. This is possible. Yeah. Like, you don't no, need absolutely. to bring in. And it was a podcast. I mean, it aired on WBEZ in Chicago right after This American Life. Like, it was a, it was a, it was a thing. But we didn't get paid. 
I mean, I think it was peanuts. I think Tori, who was the boss, was like, I get, I'll give you 100 bucks and we'll split it six ways. But it wasn't for the money. And so what we did was we just, and I did it on top of the day job I had there, so that would, there was access. But now, looking at the world as it is now with podcasts and stuff, it's possible to, it, it was the same concept. We did it because we wanted to do it. There right. were no resources. The resources that were provided were microphones and headphones and things that are now easily accessible to anybody. Right. And so, but, but where the work was, was a collaboration in the ensemble of six different people who came together and pitched, I, I think we counted at one point, it's like, I think it was over 500 sketches in, in a year. I mean, it was like, it was, we, would, we would get together and do that work where you would work probably 100 hours that week. I mean, it was so fun by the end, you were just fried. I mean, it was coffee and fried. That, that was what it was. It was so, and you'd find different things. There was some great stuff that came out. Then you come back, and we had an office up in Ravenswood, and we would do, we'd give Mondays off, and then we'd do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like that, like and then that. record on Fridays. Well, I'm sorry. Every uh, night. What, 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 what were your hours on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? We would work, we would all get, we all had day jobs. So we would work till five, and then at 5.30, 5.45, I'd fight traffic up to Ravenswood because I didn't live up there. I lived in Bucktown. And um, we would work from till about midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And there was no stops. And it was just like not, and, it's, and again, like that was all, bef- and then we would do all that to come in studio on a Saturday. We'd do like a Friday, I think it would be like a Saturday, eight o'clock in the morning, we'd go into BEC Studios because no one was there. And we would just record all day. And we'd have this, oh, this amazing amount of like, it was very autistic in the way that like, Ken we would Nardini, have like- Ken just, Nardini. Yeah, very. But, but the idea was, mm-hmm. it was, um, we would have like schedules down, like this has to be done here oh, in this studio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is your director, and, and everyone would like self-direct, and it was this whole thing, and we'd have engineers, and we would try to take these takes and try to get them like a musician. And you do that for like a month to, to do maybe raw, I have the raw, it's like hundreds of hours. And then I would take it from that point and edit it. And when you started editing, then it was like, oh my God, that was like your, that was, I have nightmares about that stuff, about the <laughs> editing and all that kind of stuff to get it ready. You would do week to week. Every week you would have like, uh, I would work, you know, the second half of my days on that stuff. And then it would air on Saturday. And this is what was the worst part about the whole experience. Amazing amount of hours and, and blood, sweat and tears and love and ensemble work and collaboration. And then you'd be Sunday night at 8.30 or whatever. And you'd be like, oh, this, is this working? Like you couldn't tell because you did, you're listening at home on your stereo or whatever it was or your iPod or whatever it was at the time, two, early 2000s. Right. And you could not tell if it actually was hitting because the it wasn't done in, in front of a live audience. It wasn't. Um, so your sensibility. So the thing is, like your sensibility and your history uh, gave you the need to have that feedback. I, we would do shows at the Heartland Friday and Saturday nights, um, and it got really it got really hot real quick because we got a reviewer out there and it was right. I'll never forget. It was 98, 1998. And the reviewer, we got a reviewer out from the Tribune in new city and we did the show and it was just a sketch show. And we were, we were stupid because we didn't know you weren't supposed to do it this way, which is always a great way to do art. Absolutely. But it was, we were going to do every Friday and Saturday new shows. So right. it's going to be sketch shows. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'd write the sketches. What was the name of that show? It was just called Schadenfreude. Again, never named you, you it. Never, always, never, you never always, named the show. That's what I, yeah. I'm thinking about that now going, yeah, I think that's yeah, what Yeah, so then, then it was right around Christmas time that these reviews came out, and they're like, oh, my God, you got to go see this show in, in Rogers Park. And it was like, uh, you know, they put us as the number one show, like New City used to the top five, and it was us, then Blue Man Group, then Second City, Woo! and like all this kind of stuff. And we're like... We, we didn't have any, I mean, it was three bucks and free beer. We gave free beer at the door and there, it, it sat 30 people. And now we're, now we were on. So like that, that 
same thing we did with the radio shows what we did on stage so every week we were coming up with new stuff and 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 having that cuz so it wasn't necessarily a new kind of concept but i had known how to make the material work because it was in front of a live audience did i didn't I, know on the on the on the radio I'm, are you talking now i remember hanging out with you guys at a bar in West LA, Jay Sloan's, yeah. and you came in for something. We, you came in yeah, for some kind of meeting or something. We came in for meetings, and um, well, throughout those years, I mean, we would go to LA when they would do the work, uh, the the every what do you call it? Like you'd come and do the showcase show. Okay, yeah, yeah, for yeah, Fox yeah. or for Got MTV it. or right. Comedy Central or NBC. There was, was one so time, you guys. Yeah, yeah, it was all it was all bullshit. Yeah, of you know, it it's all bullshit. But you know what? <laughs> it's like so you go to LA and then we flew from LA to New York and then we went back to Chicago and then they're like, we get, you got to come back to New York. There was a time when we're like, this is this is it. We're gonna this is we're gonna do this for the rest of our lives. And I don't know what happened. And I don't know what happened. 9-11 happened. I don't know. Something happened right in there where those, that style of show, that showcase show, kind of stopped. Yeah. And they stopped having sketch groups, and sketch kind of went away. And right. we came back in 2007 because we were repped by, we wrote a screenplay. And that might be where you're talking. Maybe that's yeah, what it is. we partied it's, it's over in on... Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That, was, that was fun. Um, yeah, it was. It was. A, it I was, love it was going really to LA because it's like you said in our interview, it's family, man. You yeah. go there and everyone you see, you haven't seen in six months. Well, I'm I like, got to tell you, when I was there and you had that party, I was like, "Wow, you know those guys? You yeah. know those guys? You know yeah. those guys? What are you guys? Ah, oh, great!" It's so fun to see everybody. Too. Um, I want to go back to the question because you had a question within there that was way back then. Like, the question was like, how to make that work? How do you make it work? And I don't think you make that work. You make something else work. And what I mean by that is all that we can do, I think, is just do what we're doing and hope that people come to it, yeah. whatever it's going to be. So really the challenge for you, what was the challenge for you? The challenge for you was how is the feedback. That's the feedback yeah, challenge. I mean, and it's hard, too, because the, there's immediate feedback at WGN where you can go right that people can text you right away. Yeah. And they can say, and most of the time it's this sucks. Like that, you're not getting yeah. anyone who's normal who's like, hey, that was really interesting. I like it. No, no. <laughs> right. It's just some guy and yeah, it's driving a, it's, his truck who's like, this sucks. Yeah, it's the, More it's the people that are commenting on the YouTube videos. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Where you're like, oh, those horrible this, uh, people. YouTube videos for WGN radios. <laughs> so that's not really a good indicator. <laughs> no. And then, but, but I find it to be... It finds its second life and it finds its its life on the internet on Facebook. Right. You put it up on Facebook and you say, "Hey, here's Kate Kate James, who's tremendous and she's been in Schadenfreude for years. She plays this character where she's a drunk Cubs fan. We did it in front of um, Wrigley Field uh, for opening an opening day, day and, was, and they had an April Fool's Day. So it was an April Fool's. I love joke. that online. It goes, "Remember the date. Look at the yeah, date. Yeah. It's the date. <laughs> Nobody, the everyone date. skipped that. Right. So the piece went viral because, she, and we did it kind of, we improvised it, but I just did it as a reporter, like asking her questions, and she killed it. She was so great, and it went viral, and everyone just kept asking the question, "Is it real?" And it, it really kind of like it became like a part of that character that we never really anticipated, where it was like, "Wow, this is like everyone thinks it's like Andy Kaufman kind of stuff, where it's real." And we never really, because you said, like, we've said, look at the date. It's an April Fool's joke. We were just kind of playing with it. So she's had to deal with that her whole life. Everywhere she goes, people double take on the L or they see her in a restaurant and they're like, is that real? And she has to deal with that as an, I mean, imagine that. That's, I, I just hate that because it's like, I feel like, no, it's not real. And I had, and, and she made a joke in that original video where she said, um, oh, uh, I got to pay for that HBO and birth control. She made some joke about birth control, right? <laughs> And thanks, Obama. Like some joke like that. And um, and and Fox, it went so viral that all these people start calling me, and they kept calling and saying, "Hey, we'd love to have. What is this?" And Fox News called me, 
And they're like, hey, uh, like Fox News, like Fox like, News, like, like out like of Corp New York, in, yeah. yeah, not the local. Like yeah. the, they're like, hey, we saw your video, and um, you know, we we definitely want to have her on. Is is it real? And I'm like, no, it's not real. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't. I'm not looking to, to make this even more than it is. Oh, God, and no. and they go, hmm, hmm. This oh, no. is on the oh, no. phone. Oh no. oh no. Is there any way that that it could be real? <laughs> And I was like, well, I don't even know what that means. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, you like, know what that means. They just means. wanted to talk about, they wanted her to come on and talk about birth control and Obama or whatever it was. At the time. It was maybe a story in the news. So anyway. like, How much of that goes yeah. on at Fox News? Anyway, I know, it's right? Like, like, say something, say something, say the craziest thing. Now, yeah. can you, can you, hold, can you really can mean you hold that, right? on to that for a bit? So anyway, uh, she she comes on once in a while. And she came on WGN with us the first time she came on and she, she did a phoner where I think it was some Cub story. And I'm like, we'll have Kate on and she'll fake it. What's your character? It's her. It's Colleen Henneman, uh -huh. and she is a um, thirty-some-odd drunk Cubs fan who doesn't care about the game, but hangs out. Like she's the biggest Cubs fan, but then it always you always reveal somewhere in there. She's like, "Oh, I don't have tickets to the game. I just hang out in Wrigleyville, like in the bars." Like so, she's just like she's just a Wrigleyville rat, yeah. right? And she's and she's she's done such a good job of like creating this almost like this weird emotional arc where she'll be talking about how, how great her life is in parties and then it kind of devolves and then she just she always ends on stage with this thing where she like she steps into it and she starts to cry and then she goes uh, I want a baby so bad. That's how she ends it. That's how she ends it. And then I, it's always a fun way to end it. But we did that bit on WGN Radio and that was the first week maybe or two weeks that I was on and the audience did not catch that it was a joke. Right. The right. lines went red Meaning that it was like we yeah. were, I might as well have yeah. said I'm giving away free Cubs tickets to the 91st caller. Right. Like it's that kind of thing where it's just flashing. And everybody was texting in. It's like, how dare you put a drunk woman on the air? Like they didn't even, con they didn't catch the joke, the concept, anything. Well, well, but to give them credit, that's not what GN's known for. No, right. And, 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 and I've been trying to figure this out and Pete and I are trying to mess around with so we've been doing that a lot. That's sort of like subversive, but you know, it, we but, don't but know, and it doesn't it, work. It's context, right? Yeah, it's, it's, context. Context. it's context. It's all about yes. context. Because yes. it, if it is, if you do set up, if somebody, I mean, you know, I'm not giving you any, no, any no, no, advice, you're right. but it's the idea of if you go, you know what's coming next right, right. is going to be Oh, my God, we've tried, we've tried this oh, a million times. Because I don't want to give away the joke. I, I'm, I can't do it on the show where I'm sitting there going, next up is a performer, and she's hilarious, and she's playing a drunk Cubs fan. Drunk Cubs fan, here you are. Like, I just feel like that kind of kills it. And, but I also understand context, and I'm like, some of, my, some of the people I respect the most in my life or, or that I know get the jokes aren't getting the jokes, then I know I got a problem. And that's where I'm like, okay, so this is really funny if it's in the proper context, and it's not funny because they think it's real. Absolutely. So I, w what we've done is we've, we've adjusted, and we're going to create it. We created an hour of the show weekly called Character Flaws. That's what we're going to do where it's like, so that's where that stuff oh, is in nice. with an umbrella around right. it. So the umbrella at the top is, hey, this is a show that showcases what Chicago does best. Sketch, improv, characters. They're going to be coming up. Here it is. Welcome to the show. We got a little theme song, character flaw, this kind of thing. And then we do it. And if anyone gets lost in the middle of that, they can refer back to the top. I don't want to give up that joke, but no. I also get context. Um, I, I, I look back on that in terms of context, and I think about the War of the Worlds, you know, mm -hmm. Orson Welles things, where if you tune in in the middle of that thing, you're going, you what no the hell's going on? And, and radio is about tuning in the middle. I can't, I mean, that's <laughs> all it is, man. There's never, no one appointment listens to radio. No. It's not like at 8 o'clock, they're like, gotta get, oh, 8.06. Right, well, they not anymore. On, yeah, they're in 
the car and they hit the button. So right. they're in the middle of interviews, they're in the middle of bits, whatever it is. I think about it all the time, and, and again, that whole thing where, where you, you, when was the last time you, you stayed home in order to catch the beginning of some radio show? And my family, we used to do this Saturday night, we would have dinner, uh, my dad and mom would go out and get the Sunday paper, we would lay out the Sunday paper, everybody gets a suggestion, a, a section rather, we'd get a suggestion. <laughs> Everybody get a suggestion, <laughs> and we just do a little play for the family. Uh, no, be, everyone would get a section, and we we'd read, and then we turn on the midnight special, you know, on, on WFMT, yeah. yep. and that's where I first list, first heard Second City. That's where I first heard like poets sing, and 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 like all that. That's a and great. It, I, that's a great. Uh, that's that's the show, midnight that, special. You're that's right. the show. Yeah, you're right. And I don't know if that's the show anymore, but that used to be the show. It. We just steal the name of it. Call you know? it midnight special at ten, <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it. I, I think there should be more. It's funny because you're right. WGN's just not used to it. Right. WGN is used to uh, us. Everything has got to be like upfront and real. But that, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that it can't be done. Right. That just means that it hasn't right. been done. It hasn't been. And I think that we're the ones that are going to do it. And it's about context and about this umbrella kind of concept where you can say it's the midnight special tonight, and then you can do bits inside and see how it works. And you know, the first we just did it, and it worked. I mean, it's the same bits. It's the same Sandy doing the uh, a guy go a, a guy on in Clark Street. There's a funny bit about Cubs, um, uh, or Sandy being <laughs> Sandy does this great bit on the show where uh, you know we we broadcast hockey, yeah. Blackhawks, and I like the Blackhawks, but I'm not yeah. a huge fan. Yeah. You know? And one of the things I love about Blackhawks players or any hockey players is when you see them accept a trophy or talk, they're usually broken English. Like they're usually you're, like they're Russian, or, they're right? Usually, or the French Canadian, yeah, or something. Yeah. something where you're like, oh, I didn't know that that guy that you know, like, is, uh, let me tell you, uh, to play the game as well as we can. And so we decided that our anal- uh, analyst for the download will be a former Blackhawks because they always got jobs, but it's uh, and and he doesn't really get it. And so the joke, he's always like, I tried to, to what a good game, it's such a good game. We played the game. And then he just is reading, and then he just continues to read the webpage. He'll be like, hockey is a game where there are six players on each side, five players on each side. <laughs> and then he goes on to like reading the ads on the bottom, and I'm like, you're reading, Javi. It's, it's, we read this whole thing. And again, WGN Radio is like, what are you, what, like the listeners like, who's Javi? And second, no, no. No, I get a lot of that. But it's that kind of stuff that, you know, that that having great I've always liked the concept of doing comedy on the radio kind of like Conan's late night talk yeah. where you could oh look who's at the door someone's at the door oh it's, it's masturbating school, bear. It's old. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't mean to say it's already been done before no. but it's old school it's that feeling of where where I, growing up how much radio did you listen to growing up? I, I you know I listened to a lot. I, I was just talking to my mom 2 days ago about the fact that she, um, we didn't have TV to a certain point, like five to eight every night. She would, they would put a band on the TV, so we just listen to radio. So I was listening to All Things Considered, right? You know, and, and NPR or FMT, like with right. my dad in the classical. So, and and I remember like the Star Wars. Do you guys remember Star yeah. Wars? Like the NPR did Star Wars, which was the coolest thing ever. So I listened to a lot of that, but I listened to a lot of AM, except for maybe like Cubs games. I would listen to. Well, I love, I love. I used to get old time radio records. Um, but I would, I would also love listening to Lou Jack yeah. and uh, listen to Clark Weber and listen to all those CFL LS people. When I got I to think, high school or even even eighth grade high school, it became Stephen Gary, right? Kevin but, Matthews. But look like at those all guys. those yeah. guys yeah. and yeah, they how they cha- they yeah. changed. Yeah. They really changed radio. Yeah, they did. They changed radio to the point Power where it's turn, like yeah. the next day we were talking about. Yeah. Did you hear? You know, uh, Stephen Gary. Did you it's hear amazing did? to think about that. That was sort of the. 
I, I mean, it was more immediate than television, and it was the internet of its time to be able to say, do you hear Stephen Gary? Like, they were talking about what was happening at that time. And, and also, when stuff, those man. guys, like, went at each other, and you know, when those, were you part of that? Or no? Yeah, Zimmerman you know? uh, uh, was the producer for Steve Dahl for years at CKG. But that's what I'm, you know, like that, all that crap going at each other, and you're going, "Oh my God, what's happening to the people that we really thought they were supposed to be friends forever?" And it's yeah, like, right. "What's happening?" And then be part of that. And does that happen anymore? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure there's great radio in Chicago. The 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 way radio works in Chicago now is like utility wins. So a uh, light rock playing in dentist's office or uh, news, well, like XRT, the 10-minute XRT news. hasn't been XRT no. since 1979. Well, you know, they a lot of those stations, and, and they'll argue. I mean, XRT will argue this, I'm sure, but CBS runs XRT. And yeah. so there's a certain playlist and things that you got to do in commercials They're and still playing and... <laughs> Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. And going, <laughs> They're oh, still really? playing the Freddie Jones band. They're still playing no. In a Daydream. <laughs> Like it's you kind of get the vibe from WXRT that like something happened where they got in like they they almost drowned like the everyone almost drowned so they're like traumatically frozen in like 1994 like exactly. that's all they could play exactly. they're like oh okay yeah like yeah Terry, he fell in the lake he fell in the lake when he was 19 sorry <laughs> Terry Hammert being stuck yeah. in like oh Terry Hammert well they do the be I mean they, she's got cancer did you see that yeah I know I saw that she's out for a little bit I saw that um, but they I mean they 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 at least it's funny like they are you know Ira Glass gets. The, I always think about Iris Glass and all the people who come up after Ira Glass. Like, Ira Glass is, has influenced so many college kids to kind of talk like this. That's, they were talking and, about the Ira Glass yeah, talk. Yeah, Ira Glass talk. And, it's, and the, the funny <laughs> thing is, like, you go, blah, 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 blah. and, uh, you know, and Ira is Ira. I mean, he's a, Ira's actually a great counterculture guy from Chicago who, you know, Wild Room and some of the stuff he was doing. Like, he's just like the annoyance and IO. He's just, he's on his way. But it's funny to see, like, all the people who, I mean, and I think the same for XRT. Like, I feel like if you're going to be on XRT, you have to be Marty Leonard's. Yeah. Like you have to like, you know, you hear what's the kid the new guy, Jason uh Thomas. He talks just like the rest of them. Like That's there's what I felt no too. change. That's what I felt too. Oh my, Marty, I remember when Marty first started out. It's like I like him. Yeah, right. I like that guy. I like that style. He's off the cuff. I like Lynn Bremer. Yeah. I like that yeah, guy. He's I off like the cuff. All those guys. I like he's off the cuff. <laughs> exactly. Well, I used to listen to X- XRT when it was an uh so I'm fifty six uh and nineteen seventy five, seventy six. That's when I went uh, high school, seventy four, seventy seven, whenever that was, seventy three, seventy seven. And we would finish school at Mather. We would leave, I would go over to my friend Steve Sarov's house, we'd close the door like who does this anymore? You close the door to the bedroom, like what's happening? And we turn the radio on. That's awesome. Because at three thirty yep. XRT went from Indian, like Bombay Indian station, which it was really? until three thirty, and then Terry Hammert came on until crack of dawn, and then it became oh, Bombay Radio wow. again. Wow. And that's what and you would. I remember to XRT being what, what was Johnny Mars stuff at night, like that, that like the nineties kind of alternative thing. You know, I I was turned on to radio. Adam Witt, who's in Schadenfreude, he would tape everything. Like, he was a big cassette guy. So, like, even in the 90s, he'd be like, yeah, hey, did you hear this Howard episode? 
hey, we're in the car. He's like, hey, put this Howard on. And he would continue. Like, it just became, like, it became CDs and it became, like, MP3s. But it was that and Phil Hendry. He was big into Phil Hendry. Oh, man, Phil I Hendry. love that guy. As amazing him. radio where he would play all the characters, essentially, and get listeners mad at At first, himself. I was so pissed off at him. Yeah. I was so mad at him. It's brilliant But stuff. it goes back to what, you know, mm-hmm. again, he didn't put that into context. No, he, didn't. he never said, no. if he said it. Because I remember one Phil Hendry where he had, he was talking to this lady. And she's like, I am not using a cell phone again. Oh, oh, no, oh, no. And it's like, well, what's the matter with the cell phone? It's like, I bought it. It ran. It died. And I had to buy another one. It's like, well, what do you mean it died? It's like, it stopped working. And I had to buy another one. It's like, well, what, what do you like? Maybe did the battery run? I was like, right. there ain't no battery. And it's like, you're going, what is wrong with this human being? <laughs> you realize it's all fake. Know. It's all fake. It's a, but it's what Kate's doing with, yeah, with that it's lady. Absolutely. And there's a huge influence. And Adam, we do a segment on on Friday is called The Frying Pan with Steve Gadlin. And Steve Gadlin is a local comedian, and this dude is off his rocker hilarious. I mean, he's brilliant. He's come up with all the shows in Chicago that are from Don't Spit the Water, which was a game show for comedians, uh, Impress These Apes, which is, he does Star Makers, which is a fake public access show. He does uh, Talking Funny, which is two uh, Eastern European And it's all, it's all radio. It's all, no, it's, it's all everything. He's done everything. Mm. For he, what he does for us, which is great, is he went on Shark Tank. And he won for real with a with a business called I want to draw cat for you dot com. So essentially, he goes on and he's like, I have a business where I will draw a cat. If you send me ten bucks, uh, you tell me what you want to draw. I'll draw stick figure cats of what they're doing, and I'll send it back to you. And that was a bit. And the way he presented it to them was very quirky. He did like a song. He was very, and Mark Cuban loved it. And he got invest like Mark Cuban actually signed him to be an investor investor, right? So he comes on, and every he's Friday a he's a Chicago guy. He comes on with us. And he says, you know, we, we, we set that whole thing up. And then we say, he's got a new invention. And this is his new invention. And he goes, here's what it is, Justin. And he explains it. And, and by doing it, whatever it is, it's, it's a joke. I mean, it's a joke in the way that he probably did come up with it. But it's asinine. And then callers call in and give a yay or a nay. And they're all nay. And, and it becomes this strange art project where it's people who are listening are like, I get that it's a joke, but the people who call in don't. And so it just becomes this great, weird kind of art comedy thing that I've never heard anywhere else. But I mean, it's Phil Hendry. It's very too. Phil Hendry. And, yeah. and Steve Gadlin's amazing in the way that he can he can come up with these little things where he just like razzes the audience a little bit. You know, he's like, well, I don't expect your audience to understand. I mean, this project's really not for the elderly. Anyone over 40 is not going to get it. Like he says shit like that. And then they get mad. Oh, I'm over 45. And I don't, I don't, I still think it's a bad project. And, and it's just, he's just so good at it. I love and stabbing that's people. That's great. I yeah. mean, that, that to me is like what we're trying to do where that's fun, man. It's a fun like way to do radio. And oh, it's, I, it's very interactive and it's cool. And when you can find that thing and just jump the oh, fuck man, all over it. Those, right? But it seems like you're, yeah. you're piecing it together. Yes. And you've been here for how long? Six, eight months. Eight months, dude. Yeah, I know, man. It's not been Eight and months. and we don't broadcast when the Blackhawks play. So and since October, we do like two shows a week, three shows a week. So it's not really even eight months. But look what you've done in yeah, a short amount of time. I had a testament to Pete and to the and to the audience that stuck with us. And I mean, we we have a very comedy improv sensibility in the way that like we are in Chicago. We're going to take risks. We're going to fail. We're going to try new things, but we're going to be collaborative. And, unsi- and, and like you said in our interview, we're going to live life now. 
we're going to do the show now. If, and if we get the guests, we, you know, another thing that I bring to the table and Pete does as well is, you know, I know a lot of people, man. Like I've been in this business now 20, 25 years. So I have a lot of contacts for the mayor's office or senators and things. So you can get, you know, newsmakers in your studio and be able to talk to them like real people. Right. And that's, that's something that you don't see all the time in radio either. So I, I think we're doing great. I mean, whether or not, you know, it lasts forever, it's volatile. Commercial radio is a weird place. I don't know, but I'm, I enjoy what we're making right now, and I think it's got a lot of comedy in it, which is cool. So Great. Let's end there. Thank you, Justin Kaufman, for bringing so much fun and brains and sensibility to AM Talk Radio. You, sir, are raising the curve, and we're enjoying what you're making. So there. ADD Comedy with David Zaski also thanks Laura Parker, my co-producer, my dear friend, musician extraordinaire Al Rose for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. And we thank you, our listeners. And today we really thank you for a, a, a double dose of thank you. We got the Innie Award for Best Comedy Podcast. How about that? Thank you. If you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes. If you're interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, your corporate event, your awards ceremony, please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears. Oh,